Welcome to Generation Ag, a podcast for the future of agriculture. I'm Kayla. And I'm Lavinia. And we're a couple of young Aggies passionate about celebrating our industry and sharing the stories of people who work in it. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Generation Ag. I got to chat with the lovely Sam Fryer, who is a Northern Accounts Manager at Black Box Co. He is based on his family farm in Northern Queensland and he actually grew up on this cattle property and he has a long connection within the beef and cattle industry. He's very passionate about the industry and wants to continue learning from it, currently working to help producers get a better insight into their business through management and analytics of their data. While constantly looking to improve professionally and personally, Sam has been involved in a variety of different projects and programs, including the Pilot Advanced Beef Leadership Program. He was a Queensland finalist at the NAB Rising Star Initiative, and he has also completed his studies recently of a Bachelor of Agribusiness at UNE, majoring in Marketing and Management. Sam is really, really amazing. He talks a lot about his perspective of being on farm and off farm, sort of amalgamating the corporate side to actually being on farm and chatting a little bit about his succession. He has a lot of value to give and I think a lot of young producers will get a lot out of this, being able to be on farm and have a corporate career as well, but also managing that. So I hope you all enjoy this episode. Sam, thank you so much for joining us on the Generation Act podcast. So thrilled to have locked you down for some time. The first question we always like to ask our audience is to tell us about your childhood. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. It's very exciting. My childhood, I grew up on a cattle property just outside of a town called Prairie, uh, which is literally a speck on the map, but it's about three and a half hours west of Townsville. Grew up there chasing cows uh, with my family um, and with my two other sisters. So being the eldest, I kind of was, uh, thought I was in charge most of the time, but my youngest pretty much runs the show. And yeah, enjoyed enjoyed a happy childhood there, growing up, running around with mum and dad, helping them on the property. And also we were lucky enough to, to constantly go and help my grandparents outside of Townsville as well. So I grew up up there as well, like going up mustering pretty regularly up that way as well. Hmm. What was it about agriculture or particularly the cattle industry that you just love so much and sort of really gave you that connection to the industry that you wanted to stay a part of it? My great-grandparents were graziers. My grandparents are graziers. My my mother and father are graziers. (laughs) I could say it runs in the blood a little bit, but, you know, if you take it back to the ground level, like it's something pretty amazing when you're on a horse behind a mob of cows and it's just that tranquility. I don't, I don't know. I love nothing more. Like that's pretty on my happy spot is is like on a horseback uh, mustering a mob and, you know, the cows are calling out to their calves. And uh, I don't know, it's something really natural about that aspect, especially on a grassroots operation like this and, and like a, a breeder operation. Um, and I kind of fell in love with it straight away, um, whether it was knocking around with the, the old fellas when I was going up having granddad, dad here on the property at home when we were, we were kicking around the, 
and we'd have people over and the yarns hanging around. Like I always remember as a kid, you'd be the fellas coming out and helping working and you'd be out there and you'd have, you're one of, one of the lads, one of the boys hanging around on a little pony trying to keep up with them. But I, I just loved it. And it was something, yeah, it's a, once, once you catch it, you can't get rid of it, I reckon. There's definitely like a sparkle in your eye when you talk about it. Like it's just, I think with most of us who grow up in the industry, it's in the blood and there's not much you can do to get rid of it. I'm interested to hear a little bit more about your career progression. Obviously, you were starting out on the farm as a farmhand slash stockman. Can you talk to us a little bit about your career projection and what you've sort of done over the last couple of years? Yeah. Sure thing. We're pretty well wrapped up at school, um, just scraped through without getting kicked out. So that was a bonus for mum and dad. Uh, got sent out down to Longreach, actually. I did a horse course down there with uh, John Arnold. So he was amazing. He kind of kicked me in the gear, got me kind of sorted on the right path. Nearly I uh, got involved in the incident down there, so I had to come back and kind of finish it off. So I broke my arm and had to come back and finish off the last. So I did pretty well two horse courses, which is awesome. After I wrapped up that year, headed north, worked for a fellow called Fred Shepherd, and Fred and Carmel managed a station called Boomera for NAPCO and had an incredible experience. So I was there for three years and absolutely loved it. Um, same thing, just in that environment where we were just with a lot of different, same people in the same mentality, just wanting wanting to work cattle, um, learnt a lot of them. And the people we were lucky enough, they sent us to a lot of schools and like he's a great manager and he's great at working with young people too and getting the best out of them. And I, I just flourished. I loved it. I really enjoyed that area up in north there in the Gulf. So every week, you know, every week, pretty you'd be starting out start of the year, you'd be flat out mustering. Then come middle of the year, every weekend there'd be a rodeo or camp draft on. So it was a great social aspect. And I remember before I went up there, my father said to me, you know, you, you're going to go up there. There won't be many parties. There won't be anywhere to go out to socially. And anyway, pretty well proved him wrong with three months in, already gone to about four radios. So it was great. So after that, can't, off the top of my head, we pretty. Well, I came back here, I think, for a bit. Did a bit of contracting. Um, I'd, I'd met my beautiful wife Emily, and we, I did a bit of a gap year slash towns in Townsville for a bit while she was at uni. Did a bit of odds and sods jobs from working as a postie to a landscape gardener, just trying to hang around with Emily, trying to spend as much time as possible with her. And then after that, went back north, headed up and worked at the territory for a bit. So on a place called Helen Springs for a year which is another incredible experience. Really enjoyed my time uh, with the manager, Chris and Sally Town, were managing the block at the time. Really, really, really liked it. Now, it's totally different to working in the Gulf, you know, big numbers, big, big, big land. Like, you know, you walk, I know anyone who's worked in the Barclay could just, you know, they know what it's like. You're sitting on horseback for like six hours and that, that old windmill's not getting any closer. Wrapped up there, headed back home. Did a bit of the same thing to run my own contracting team for like myself for a couple of years. Drought kicked in. We had to go away. I was living at home contracting. Cash kind of dried up. Work kind of dried up in the drought. Um, Emily's working for NAB at the time. I went down to Roma for a bit and so I worked for elders there. And then I also worked for a lighthouse station just north of Rome for a while. Yeah, then slowly from that, we pretty well started our succession conversation and started working my way back home. So kind of tiptoed back up to Longreach. Emily was work, still working with NAB and I was contracting still. And then pretty old, yeah, then we started coming back into home there about, must be about five years ago now, we came back home and settled in. So that's pretty well where we're at. We moved into Ellington here five years ago where we live now. Um, it's mum and dad own Ellington and Railview Station just outside of Hewlett and down the highway. 
Uh, we live on the small block, Ellington. They live on the main block and run that. And we, I live here with my wife, Emily, and we've got three terrors that just run to right. So, and that is pretty all my life. Not a bad life. Well, you've spent a lot of the last, you know, 10 or so years traveling a lot of the Queensland and North area. So I guess you're pretty familiar with a lot of cattle country. What was that decision for you? Obviously, over the last, I'd say, five years, you've spent a lot of time in leadership programs, working on a few different other projects and job career progressions off station. What was that decision for you to actually start moving into the corporate side of agriculture? And like you said, I did cover a bit of country. I was fortunate enough that both my parents were, they encouraged me to go and learn and get different experiences out there. So that's what kind of really drew me to kind of trying different things and giving stuff a crack, you know. It was always that thing of like once you come home, come back to a property, you know, you this is it, like the, the, this is it. So go out and test test a bit of everything, have a bit of fun, enjoy yourself, see whatever the, everything else is out there. And I was lucky enough to do that. Um, when I first came home, I kind of realised I had enough practical skill. I didn't quite, wasn't sharp enough on the old pencil skills. I felt like my business capabilities wasn't where they needed. I remember in 2019, I remember having this conversation with Emily and my wife and, and we're driving back from Christmas party and I said, look, I'm going to start studying. I've been bouncing around in my head. I need, I need to get a bit sharper. And yeah, I pitched her and she said, yep, go for it. And I started studying uni then in, I think, sorry, it was 2018 Christmas and 2019 I started. And it was just that ability. I just wanted to better myself. I just wanted to learn more. And it was probably, I was initially focusing on bringing it back to the farm at a farm level here on the property. I wanted to get better. So one day when I do hopefully take over, take over the operation, I was in a better position. It slowly evolved over time. I'm always a very curious person. I, I, I think I, I drive everyone nuts. I can't sit still for too long. I've got to keep doing and learning. So I was offered the opportunity to send down to Evoke Ag. And I can't remember what year it was, but it was with the, with DAF was kind of funding that one and took a few graziers from up north here down Evoke Ag in Melbourne. It was great. A few northern cowboys kicking around Melbourne, eating bugs, testing out different alternative food and ag tech. It was a, it was a great experience. And it kind of really opened my eyes to there's more out there in the industry and agriculture. And from that, I progressed into asked to be involved with the pilot program and the advancing beef leaders program. It kind of came at the right time for me. I was sitting here at home. We were kind of was working, th- we were working through succession and, and, you know, not to get really bogged down in those details, but pretty well, like we weren't quite big enough for me to ex- expand and run the ocean. I was kind of working side by side with my father. I kind of was wanting more to learn more, to take on more at this time. And we, we didn't quite have that capability in the business. So ABL came along right time for me. It introduced me to, again, the broad industry and the beef industry network. Um, I had a really amazing mentor in that program and it just really gave me the ability to really just, I suppose, have a bit of a taste of what else was out there again. And from that, uh, Emma Black, who was my mentor in that program, coming at the end of the year, we were finishing up and she mentioned that she was starting Black Box Co. with Shannon Spade. And I really piqued my curiosity and come the end of the year, she said, look, have a think, but we're wanting to, we started this, we're chasing someone, you might be the right fit, have a think over it. And anyway, come January, pretty well first, I think, (laughs) I just said, yeah, let's go. 
And I constantly believe in you've got to keep sharpening your tools. You know, you can't just sit on your laurels. You you can't just sit back and, and once you've achieved something, you've got to keep on getting better and improving yourself. So even though I had, I had got myself in a position, I was working part-time for Black Box while also working at home here as well as studying, as well as a couple of kids on the way during that time. It was a bit on, but I, but I kept on wanting to, to do more. So I did different things. I was involved in the Farmers to Founders course with a bit of an idea that Emily and I had, which was a great experience to get a better understanding of ag tech, how those businesses work, the ag tech startup process, which really helped feed into what we're up to at Black Box there. The next thing I kind of did was I actually put my hand up to mentor, to be a mentor in the ABL program after that, which is really good experience as well. Because once you go through a mentee program, being an actual mentor, I reckon I nearly got more out of it being a mentor than a mentee, just because like you learn a lot about yourself through that person and because you're listening you you know it's more of a listening and not really you're not giving them advice you're just kind of helping them work through their thoughts really and I really enjoyed that and had an amazing lady there that I that I mentored and she's doing some incredible things and then from that pretty well we wrapped up our succession where where we were doing it at home and that led into uh, me going full-time with Black Box while working in Ellington here and that's pretty well where I'm at now yeah do you want to talk to us a little bit about what your role is at Black Box and what you guys actually do? Yeah. So Black Box Co. is a data analytic company. We take crushed side data that's collected by producers on farm, any feedlot feedback they get, any meatworks feedback they get, and we kind of clean it, put it up into our interactive dashboards, and it allows the producers really to get a bit of insight in their herds and how they're performing on that individual animal basis. It also pretty well gives mum and dad producers out there the way to analyse their data the same way the larger corporates do without the huge, huge bill of uh, paying for another wage. So, and that was probably the biggest thing that attracted me was that I saw data collection happening a bit more, more in the industry. I saw it personally at home here, we were doing it. A lot of the properties I worked at were doing it. And same thing, you kind of saw this happening. So it was a growing, Growing thing that I saw in the industry as well, and that kind of really perked my interest into coming on board with, with Emma and Shannon. And it really has been an amazing journey so far. Like I'm the Northern Accounts Manager, so I pretty well cover North of WA, Territory, Queensland. I've got clients, some one client in New South Wales as well. So we cover a bit of a vast area, you know, and that, that's just me, like the rest, like the rest of the team pretty well carry me most of the time. They are, they're pretty all, all south of, all from about south of Rocky Line. Their clients start picking up, New South Wales, but people in South Australia. I think Tasmania is the only place that we don't really have our clients in yet, but that's coming. Yeah, so it, it's, been, it's pretty been incredible just go through this growth journey of the company, but also like the constant development that goes on, which is I've really enjoyed so far. Yeah. How are you managing everything? Because you obviously talk about, you know, going from part-time to full-time. You still are, you know, on the farm and involved in that. You've got a family. You're also on a variety of committees and we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a moment. But how do you oversee everything? Like what what is your process? How do you stay on top of it all? <laughs> uh, I have an amazing wife. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, uh, you got to work, hey. You're like you, you. I think organization. I'm pretty structured. I'm very organized and pretty OCD a little bit in how I do things in terms of structuring my day a little bit. 
and you do have to work. Like I went through a process, I only just finished uni this year, which has been incredible. But, you know, like during those processes, process doing uni, like I had at one point, Bella, like we had two kids, three kids. And each time, like I'd, you know, the kids would go to bed, I'd start studying from 8.30 to 10.30. You know, you'd put in those hours there or you'd have to get up earlier before you went out at work, especially when I was working full time here at home. Before I started with Black Box, it was a bit hectic where I'd, you know, you go to work, daylight, daylight's dark as most farm, farmers do. And then I'd literally get home, try and spend some time with the kids and then start studying. In terms of where I'm up to now, um, you, it's still a lot of work, but you, it's very structured. Like I get up, I either go for a run, I do yoga in the morning trying to get the body going. And then I try and clock on. Usually we got, I've got a little younger, oh, the oldest is at kindy at the moment. So I try and clock on the work, say about 7.30. So before then I try and devote that period of time with the kids. Like I try and hang out with them, play with them. And then, you know, clock on 7.30. Depends. I might take calls at six o'clock though. It's a bit hard. Sometimes for producers, they'll call you when they want to call you. And usually try and knock off around that 4.35 o'clock somewhere in there. If I get a bit run out, I've got a bit to do, I will I will try not to work any later than six. And then from then on, same thing, focus on the kids. And yeah, and then usually any alternative activities. Luckily these days, a lot of committees and stuff you do, they have Zoom sessions overnight. So you kind of can play that in. I do try and break it up because I get a bit stir crazy. I try and do a workout or something like that. I might go fix a fence or something like that at lunchtime just to get myself out of the house. But I, I say very structured. You have to plan out your days. So I sit there. Usually on a Sunday, I'll go through my calendar, work out what I've got ahead and plan out any of the big things that are happening. And then I plan out my day-to-day. So usually when I say I start about 7.30 or usually about 7, I'll be looking at my calendar, looking at my emails, trying to work out what's happening for the day to start planning it out, do my phone calls when I've got the energy in the morning. And then usually by the end of the day, it's usually just trying to wrap stuff up in the afternoon. Yeah. I love it. I think that a lot of people will be taking notes because it's a lot to take on all of these opportunities. But if you have the capacity and you've got the ability to stay organized and stay focused on what the bigger goal is, like, you know, you're achieving it all or trying to anyway, which is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, it's a, it's a fine line. It's a fine line sometimes, that, you know, especially when you work life balance. And I know it's very much everyone pushes, sorry to cut you off, but, you know, everyone pushes this, you know, you've got to achieve, but you've got to have a work-life balance. Like, So I think it's integral. Like I try not to, like I, like I said, I try and aim for that 4.30 knockoff because then I can spend time with the kids. Or else if you're forever working, you kind of lose track of what the purpose of life is. And, and for me right now, I have three kids under five and they're my life and they're what I enjoy and you know and and then on terms of like that we also have some adjustment cows that we run and I get a bloody good big kick out of like doing that with the kids as well so it's probably not as not as business run as I like when it comes to back to the cows but I love taking them out checking out the cows poking around you know you know so you've got to make sure you have that fine life don't just vlog yourself you've got to have you're going to enjoy life too I think that's a really important message, particularly the agricultural industry as a whole. It's been a lot of hard yakka years for a long time and that work-life balance has been lost a lot. So I think to hear those words and really let that sink in, what you're saying is so important because there are bigger things than working for sure. Mm. I want to chat a little bit about the fact that you've actually just joined the Ag Force Queensland Young Producers Council. And I know you premised that it's a very new role. I would just love to know a little bit more about what you're hoping to achieve 
being part of this committee and committees like this, what the purpose of them for you is? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I put my hand up, tapped on the shoulder last year and I kind of felt, I think it was last year I was talking to some people and it just was, I just wanted to wrap up uni first and get something out of the way before I put something else onto my plate. It's that whole trying to get the balance right. But with the premise of it, I was lucky enough, I, I got selected to sit on the Young Producers Council, which also gets me a seat on the Northern Council and Ag Force, which is kind of like I'm very passionate about my area. I love where I live. I reckon, you know, don't tell everyone, but North Queensland's a place to be. It's God's country. So don't all come rushing up here because we don't want you all here. But um, it's a great area. I love it. Uh, and there's some amazing people to continue to have great area and a great industry, you have to give back. Like you have, you have to do something to continue that process. And, and I do see Ag Force, I suppose, as our state body, uh, as a good way to help the agriculture industry to drive forward. You know, to have a have a say in how that how it is. So that's why I put my hand up for it. It is it is something of it's an absolute learning curve going through the process of ABL. We learn a lot about governance. We learn a lot about the peak industry bodies and the structure and who's who in the zoo. And I think once you actually put your hand up and you start getting involved, it's a steep learning curve and how it all works out. Like I did, I was was fortunate enough also. I was was the rising champion uh, winner for Queensland, and and I learned a bucket load there. And I was kind of like the tipping point, I suppose. After I won that, I said I was in my mind, I was like, no, I've got to. I want to give back. I want to make be an influence influence the industry a bit more. And to me, this is the this is the way I can influence that through the policies and also learn off some amazing people that are involved in that. Which there are some incredible people involved in that in that organisation. I couldn't agree more. I think that you raised some really important points when it comes to obviously you mentioned you whether NAB. Agribusiness Rising Star Champion, which is phenomenal. You know, you mentioned as well, Farmers to Founders, you were also a part of the Drought Resilience Leaders Mentor Program. For you, why is it important to keep honing on your skills of leadership? What is it about leadership that is so integral, particularly for the ag industry? I think it comes back to that point, sitting on your laurels. You know, like people who sit on their laurels kind of start going backwards a bit. And to me, I was really fascinated, I suppose, you look at the social aspect of it, like how people work, and I find that really fascinating, <laughs> how people how people work, how people think. And, and, you know, you learn a lot of that doing these different courses and how you actually work with people too because you've got to really understand yourself before you start understanding others, which is cliche because that was one of the topics that we did do at ABL, but it's 100% true. Because once you start working yourself, then you can start influencing others and, and working out how you'll play into these different organisations and where your strengths lie. So and in terms of like the leadership course, I suppose, or, or the programs I've been in, I probably pushed it a bit too far. But once again, I, I was kind of wanted to learn as much as I could because I felt I was a bit behind the back foot. Like I'm 33 now. Like, you know, I've been probably chase, chasing cows the majority of my life and moving into this different, this cor- more corporate aspect, this corporate arena is a totally different ball game to when you're chasing chasing cows down the paddock, which I just love doing. But, you know, you, you've got to have that different thought space, way of thinking, way of approaching things. So that's why I kind of aggressively went out and did several programs so I could upskill, get a bit sharper before coming out and hopefully then that delivers when I go to these organisations I can actually offer more because I understand a bit more how they work and how governance works especially, which is something that's a totally different ball game as well. 
to me, like I constantly read, I'm a big reader, I'm a big listener, avid reader, avid reader, podcasts, audio books, whatever it is. I just, I truly do believe you just got to keep improving and got to keep learning or else it's the moment you stop is the moment you start going backwards. I love that point that, you know, you're essentially saying you've got to keep evolving. You have to keep inserting new knowledge in. Otherwise, you know, you do go backwards. And I think we're at a really critical time in the agricultural industry. And I would love to learn a little bit more about what your perspective is on the future, particularly because, you know, there's a lot of different nuances to the cattle industry and the northern cattle industry and exporting and that sort of thing. What are you hoping to see for the future of the agricultural industry? I can only speak personally. I believe it's the best industry ever. Honestly, I think grass-fed beef is 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 one of the best industries. I just love it. There's some such amazing opportunity. Like when I left school, it was kind of shunned upon. I remember talking to my guidance counselor and he was kind of shaking his head that I was wanting to go back and work on the property. But now these days, like beef is sexy. Everyone wants to be in the beef industry. Look at them. Hey, everyone wants it. They're coming out of the woodworks everywhere. It's because it's exciting. It's an evolving thing. And I know we've been driven on by low interest rates and high cattle prices, you know, a bit, you know, that that bit of money to be made has pulled, pulled people across. But for those like like yourself and those who have been in it since they like since they were kids, you know, it's that passion for the industry. And and going forward, the world population is only growing. Um, it's only going to go one way. And we just got to get better at what we do in terms of like out here where I live. You know, it's not like we're going to start putting down crops or anything like that. You know, this this country is made for beef. This you know, it's made to grow beef out here. And for us, uh, I think you know, like the, there's so many things against the industry, whether you're looking at the emissions emissions or, you know, well, I know we're focusing on the carbon neutrality in 2030. Like there's, and there's a lot of people working working towards that positive image, which is good because I feel like agriculture gets attacked a lot and especially livestock and beef gets attacked a lot. And I think we just need to get better at showing these positive stories and the positive effects. Like there's producers out there, I know in, I know in my area, they're doing amazing things, not only running very well, well-run businesses, but also improving the land as well. Like, you know, those those need to be told a bit better, the spotlight and those stories. And in terms of the growing population, like we just got to get better at what we're doing. And stuff like what we do at Black Box Co, increasing in the efficiencies of, a, of an operation of a herd is a way to do that. Taking out those inefficient animals so you increase the efficiencies of your herd can help, you know, help the productivity of that business. And that leads in the whole aspect of, I suppose, growing more beef on less, you know, on the same amount of land, which is what we've got to do. And that's the premise of the whole of agriculture, I believe, personally. It's like we've got to get better at what we do because the population is increasing and we've got to find new ways to feed this population. Yes, there is a lot we have to do, but I love that you touch on the fact that, you know, there are producers that are evolving and really doing next level things to make sure that we're sustainable for the future and that we're continuously here for the long run. And, you know, you do raise another important point that places like where you are is cattle country and that's what it's meant for. So we really need to give back. And I'm going to use the clip uh, where you say cattle industry is sexy. That's going to be the clip that I use to get everyone interested <laughs> in this. We'll, we'll have that playing on repeat because I love it. It's so yeah, good. For you, because you've obviously put a lot of professional education for yourself over the last couple of years, what? where do you see yourself? What's your sort of career trajectory? What are you hoping or envisioning for yourself? Oh, that's a good one. 
I, I love giving back. I think like I really got a kick out of mentoring when I had that opportunity to mentor with the ABL. And I think down the track, I, I'd probably do that. But in, in the short term, I, I've probably pushed the candle a bit too far recently for the last four years. So I did promise my wife that I wouldn't be taking on any more than what I'm doing currently, which is more than enough. So especially with three young kids. I think the short term, we've got some pretty amazing goals that we've set for Black Box. And, and I do believe like we, I'm involved in something here, you know, bigger than yourself. And I, and that's, an, that's another thing, like any, I suppose younger listeners out there and you're looking for that career advice is don't chase a job just for the money. Chase something that's going to make an impact or believe that, you know, it's going to make a difference. Cause I truly believe what we do is going to make a difference. And it's, I suppose, that belief that um, makes it a bit keen when you get down the dump sometimes. And it's very cool to be a part of something like that. So from medium to long, medium term, I see myself here, keep on doing what we're doing, helping, helping, where I can grow black box and make a difference in the industry through this company. In the medium term, hopefully put kids through school some way, shape or form, send away, get them a good education. And then long term, I'd love to come back here once mum and dad are ready and take over and run this, run our operation here. I hope that I have the skills and the knowledge to make sure that ensure the legacy, I reckon, is another strong thing, heart. That I, that I believe in is that legacy, you know, comes very deep from the heart, that legacy of a family legacy, the business legacy, you know, property legacy. Like there's so much around that people don't touch on enough is when you come to agriculture is, is that it's like, you know, you come out to these family places that have been in for generations and, and it's pretty incredible where you do see legacy firsthand where, you know, you can go out somewhere and say, well, look, that's what my grandfather did. That's what my father did. This is what I did, you know, and one day hopefully this is what my son or daughter are going to do. That would be a long-term thing. But I think I'd always going to be, no matter what I do, I'm always going to keep uh, wanting to be involved in the industry at a bigger level. So whether it is being a part of Ag Force, being a part of, like, like I sit on the board for Southern Golf, which is another, which is our uh, natural resource management uh, here for our area. Like, I think I'll keep on putting my hand up for things like that because I do believe that you've got to give back to the community to help grow a community and keep moving it forward as well. Sam, I think that you are going to make an incredible difference to the future of the cattle industry with everything that you're doing. I think that your selfless perspective is so refreshing and something that the cattle industry but also ag as a whole needs and I think that you're really going to encourage a lot of other young producers to get involved on a larger level which is so important as well. For anyone who's wanting to get in touch, where is the best place or what should they do if they want to learn more or just reach out to you? Happy to chat. Yeah, I've, I've got, I suppose, on LinkedIn. Avoid the Facebook. There's some terrible stuff there, but you can have a look at it if you want. Don't go back 10 years. Everyone went through that phase. LinkedIn's probably my best contact. Or you can reach out to us, I suppose, at Blackbox. You want to find more, check out our website. Stalk us down. We've got some pretty incredible videos that our team had done up there about what we do. But if anyone is interested, want to talk about being involved in something like ABL or putting their hand up and joining joining in like Ag Force or Young Producers Council, I'm always happy to chat. So they can always find me all around. I've got my contact details up there, so you can stalk me down pretty well. I'm pretty easy. I'm not shy. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sam. It's been a pleasure to have you finally on the Generation Ag podcast and really appreciated your perspective today. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you.
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Generation Ag. We hope you loved it. If you did, don't forget to visit our guest bios page on our website where you can get all of their contact information. And if you have an idea for another guest in the future or a story that you want to hear, you can get in touch with us via our email, which is hello at generationag.com.au. Don't forget to follow us on our socials at generation.ag. That's Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. And if you've loved this episode as well, you can share it with your friends on your socials and make sure to subscribe to us on the podcast app and leave us a review because that all really helps as well. Thanks, guys. Bye.